Our scripture passages today are from our two brief passages from the epistles. One is from the epistle to the Hebrews, and then uh, the second one is from Second Timothy. So first from Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now from Second Timothy. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, Brian Jones, our stewardship chair, who's here uh, today, wrote Jessica Thurness, a member of our office staff, to get some statistics on how many people are joining our worship service through our live streaming technology each Sunday. Jessica wrote back with the numbers. Since March of 2020, she said, our services have been watched in 49 states and 22 countries. An average of 125 households have tuned in each week. Jessica then added, do you know anyone in Nevada that wants to give us a try? (laughs) Now, my mind immediately started racing. What could we do to get one of our members to go to Nevada and tune into a worship service on Sunday morning so we could reach all 50 states? Could we offer an all-expense paid trip to the first person to turn in their pledge cards this year? to the person who increases their pledge the most, to the first new member to make a pledge. I heard a rumor late this week that an older couple in the church were going to be in Las Vegas this Sunday, so I texted them last night. (laughs) Do you mind, you know, joining from your hotel room so that we can reach all 50 states? And they wrote back and said, we would love to, but we're in California (laughs) we've got all kinds of people from california that tune in so they can't help at least in that way now i knew that all these ideas that came into my mind were in jest 
mainly because of what we Presbyterians believe about giving to the church, about that which goes under the rubric and title of stewardship. As Presbyterians, we don't resort to gimmicks. We don't do fundraising events. We don't do galas or fairs or bazaars. Though we allow our youth groups to do fundraising events so that they may have a way of supporting their mission trips. All of these methods of fundraising are successful, but we leave them for secular organizations. As individual members of a Presbyterian church, we focus on giving a significant portion of our income to support the life of the church. And we do this both as an act of spiritual commitment, of spiritual discipline, and as an act of gratitude to God. You'll soon be receiving pledge packets through the postal service, and weekly communications via email will also begin. We ask you to make your pledge for 2022 by November 14th of this year, or pledge earlier online if you would like. We will say thank you for your gift, but we won't be offering you a free trip to Vegas. I'm now in my 18th year at Westminster, and I want to say again how grateful I am to you as individuals and as a congregation for many things. Among them is the quality of our stewardship. Many of us, myself included, tithe or exceed a tithe of 10% of our income. I know because you have told me that you do. Many of us give 4% or 6% or 8%. Many have disciplined ourselves to raise our giving, not just, say, 1% a year, but to raise our giving by 1% of our income a year until we reach a tide. That's how I did it about 25 years ago. And many of us give because we see the work of our church for nearly all ages through Christian education, through Christian formation, through worship and music, through congregational life, through pastoral care, and through our mission work in Northern Virginia, in Appalachia, in North Dakota, and in the Rift Valley of Kenya. Many of us continue to give or have even increased our giving because we see the way Westminster has adjusted to COVID through live streaming our services, through contacting our members and our households directly, through providing adult children and youth events online and outdoors. Many of us give because when we ran a surplus at the end of 2020, we distributed $82,000 in extra COVID relief to help people in Alexandria avoid eviction, to help people in Arlington with rental assistance, to help students on the Spirit Lake Indian Reservation in North Dakota with food and utilities and medical assistance, and to provide two of our gleaning partners in Virginia with funds to help the food insecure. Many of us give because we trust 
the care with which WCP members invest and manage the church's resources. To the point that this year we are replacing our boilers and our roof for a combined total of over $500,000, paying from a capital reserve fund that we have developed over the past decade. And even as we have supported the work of the church directly in its changed and changing form, over 300 members of Westminster have contributed more than $300,000 to a special needs trust set up for Reverend Whitney Fauntleroy, our associate pastor for youth and young adults who went on disability this time last year. When the unknown writer of the letter to the Hebrews closes his epistle, he blesses his readers with a benediction. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Along these lines, I want to bless you with a stewardship benediction. May the God of peace continue to make you complete in everything good so that you may do God's will. I believe that God is working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight. I believe that in the odd and sad dislocation we have all experienced and through the tragedies we have known in our times and in our lives, God is still working among us through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. It is a privilege to lead a congregation with this attitude and commitment and level of action and level of discipline and level of generosity. This stewardship blessing is in order. But notice the verb construction that the blessing contains. May the God of peace make you complete. This is subjunctive mood, a mood that expresses a wish, a hope, even a prayer. The prayer in this blessing is for the ongoing activity of God. May the God of peace make you complete. While no church or individual Christian is ever complete in this life, we have had a unique form of incompleteness since March of last year. We still rarely see our faces, so we guess at laughter or tears, and we make the best to read one another's eyes. We still guard our physical touch with others, often limiting ourselves to touching elbows or bumping fists rather than shaking hands or extending hugs. The peace we pass among ourselves is more verbal rather than tactile. 
In 2018, my mother-in-law passed away at age 98. Her major health issues were diminished mobility and the assorted aches and pains that come with 98 years of human life on the same frame. But the older she got, the more she said that the more she missed, what she missed more was human touch. She would sometimes say, whenever I go to the doctor, they don't even examine me anymore. They just ask questions. They never seem to touch me. No matter our age or stage of life, we all yearn for touch, for physical touch, for healthy touch, for warm and consoling touch, for affirming touch. We are an embodied people. We have an embodied faith. We worship a God who is called Emmanuel, God with us. When God was incarnate in the flesh as Jesus Christ, when he walked the face of the earth and saw the sights that we see and smelled the smells and heard the, the sounds, he touched lepers. He put his fingers over the eyes of the blind to restore their sight. He shared food and wine with his disciples and he allowed one disciple to place his head at his breast. Jesus Christ was God incarnate, God in the flesh. Ours is an embodied faith, a faith of touch, the waters of baptism, the communion of bread and wine. We are slowly returning to this embodied presence of others. It's good to see again a few people here today that I haven't seen in a year and a half. And it's just good to see the crowds as they get a little bigger and bigger. And a little more families with children. Someone at the early service last week told me it was good to see me in three dimensions instead of just two. I was glad he didn't think I was just one dimensional. (laughs) News on the numbers goes up and down. But words from the vaccine fronts is once again encouraging, especially for children. I am hopeful that by Christmas we have enough children vaccinated, that many if not most parents can attend in person and welcome the Christ who is God with us. I'm hopeful that by Easter we will once again fill this sanctuary with people celebrating the resurrection of the body. I'm hopeful that as we get healthier and stronger in this country, we will share more vaccines with nations of the world where the vaccine rates remain minuscule, minuscule. Our Christian Formation Committee chose a theme verse for this year anticipating that this would be a year of rekindling of life in all of its constricted areas, but also a rekindling of our personal faith and a rekindling of the life of our church. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you, Paul wrote Timothy from prison. Rekindle. 
That is what we are all so determinedly seeking to do this year. Rekindle learning, rekindle service, rekindle singing, rekindle communion, rekindle the arts, rekindle the family, rekindle work, rekindle our life together at church, rekindle greeting, rekindle children's sermons, rekindle the gift of God that is within you. But then notice what Paul adds in the very next phrase, through the laying on of hands. The firmness of a handshake. The warmth of a hand to the shoulder. The comfort of an embrace. Rekindle the gift that God has given you through the laying on of hands. Ours is an incarnate faith and an incarnate God. As we give the concrete expression of our faith through a financial pledge, I urge all of us to rekindle the gift of God that is within us through finding a way toward the laying on of hands, through touch, through physical presence, through being physically and emotionally and spiritually with one another, with those we love. Born of the Virgin Mary, we say, born. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, we say, suffered. The resurrection of the body, we say, rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. Amen.